VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we do thank you for joining us here today on Crosstalk. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are in a brand new year, 2023. And though we are in a new year, the same old agenda pursuing globalism is hard at work. I mean, there's no deviation from this determination to bring about a, a one-world system. But friends, it's as if the pedal's being pushed to the metal, as that acceleration has been increasing in its intensity over the past couple of years, and really, there are no signs of a let-up. Some are asking the question, matter of fact, our guest today wrote on this question, are we beyond the point of return. Joining us today, we welcome back Gary Ka, the founder and director of Hope for the World. Gary is editor of Hope for the World Update. He's an author and former Europe and Middle East trade specialist for the Indiana state government. Gary, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Well, doing well. I'm so glad you could join us as we talk about this. Is it it just me, or are you also seeing this acceleration, this push toward globalism that really has an anti-Christian socialist agenda to it? Yeah, it's not slowing down, that's for sure. These people, I think, are at a point now where they're between a rock and a hard spot. If they linger too long, more and more people will find out what's going on, and it'll work against them. Mm-hmm. So it just seems like they're, like you said, pushing the pedal to the metal. Um, and we have to understand that the goal, really, of, of globalists is, is to gain complete control of the world's economic and financial structure mm-hmm. and resources in order to um, install a centralized and a heavily regulated totalitarian system very similar to that of China's social credit system. And so if people knew what was coming, if they wakened to that, there would be a great deal of pushback, and, um, and they understand that. So I think they're actually going to accelerate, especially now that uh, conservatives underperformed uh, with the recent elections, and you know Republicans just have a, 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 a small majority and quite frankly, and I think you'd probably agree with me, Jim, you know, with only five votes separating things, uh, there are probably more than that uh, in Congress, in, in the House, who are rhinos yeah. that could easily go the other way. So right. you, could, you could make the argument it's really not even a majority. I mean, it's very tenuous. It it really is, Gary, and uh, I think, I mean, we've seen so many crossover votes uh, of, of Republicans who went with Nancy Pelosi and other issues. I, I think we're going to just see those uh, coalitions coming forth in, in legislation as well. Uh, but uh, you used the term waking up, and do you believe pe- people are waking up, Gary, to, to the dangers that you've been warning of so long, or, 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 or are we beyond the point of return? Well, I, I do believe that over the last, especially the last six to nine months, I have seen people more and more coming around, people who are more in our circles, um, who, you know, have said, yeah, I know something's going on, but, you know, it's way down the road, and they really haven't been concerned about it, not enough to, to take a stand. Some of those people now are, are coming around. And, and down in Florida, uh, a lot of conservative groups, many uh, uh, groups of conservative Christians and Jews got out there and really made a difference. And uh, some major good results have occurred because of that. Uh, sweeping changes with um, the education board down there uh, and the curriculum uh, in, in the public schools. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the globalists are, are pushing back. They're fighting that. Uh, but for the time being, at least, I think conservatives are, are gaining the upper hand down there. But as far as um, spiritually speaking, um, I, I wrote in my article, I said, even at this late hour, God could still hold back his full judgment of America if a sincere repentance by her inhabitants were to occur. The key word is repentance. And uh, what would be required is the complete surrender of our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, followed by appropriate actions and behavior uh, in our daily relationships with family and friends, uh, in our churches and schools, and politically in our cities, states, and nation. It's got to affect every walk of life, a repentance uh, that has action with it, Um, not not just uh, 
giving up certain sins that, that we've been hanging on to, but being proactive ambassadors for Christ in this world rather than sitting back and, and, and being lazy. If that were to happen, uh, God could still intervene. But right now, it, it does appear more and more as if the Lord is, is just allowing things to play out and, and uh, run their course. And I think that in itself is a, is a form of judgment uh, that's already underway in our nation. And uh, Gary, some would believe, though, that the U.S. is just too special of a nation for God to judge. I mean, we're the nation that's getting out the gospel. We've we've been a supporter of Israel, and and uh, certainly there are more than 10 righteous in the U.S. I mean, God told Abraham if he would spare Sodom, if there were even 10 righteous people in the city, how do you respond to that? Yeah, the, I, all those... Uh, uh, comments, you know, we've uh, received over the last couple of years in one way or another. But w- what these believers don't realize is that, that God's promise to Abraham regarding Sodom was situational. It, it was for, for that moment in time. Um, some believers are notorious for taking biblical events out of context mm. and, and applying God's uh, pronouncements intended only for a specific time and place across the entire scope of history. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Holy Spirit-led discernment is so necessary, um, as some of God's promises are intended to remain intact indefinitely, yes, but others are specific for a certain situation. And the fact is, we've seen the demise of, of many nations and, and great empires through the ages, despite the fact that more than a few righteous believers lived in them. Um, you take Germany as an example, during Hitler's reign. Uh, Germany had hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Bible-believing Christians living there. They were a minority, but there were a lot of them. Uh, Yet, God brought judgment upon that country. Uh, He permitted the Allies to decimate entire cities. Uh, uh, The city of Bremen, I think, uh, it was, that was absolutely leveled. I mean, there just wasn't anything left in in many of the other cities that were just pounded. And... uh, so I've thought through that, you know, my mother coming from Germany, um, how, how did God view all that? And I believe when a nation becomes overtaken by just all-out corruption and rampant sin, even God's people eventually suffer at least some consequences. And uh, a case in point, my, my mother's uh, family uh, consisted of devoted Christ followers, and my grandpa uh, took such a strong stand against Hitler in their small village that it almost cost him his life. And I think I've shared before on this program how the secret police came to their village looking for my grandpa, but fortunately the mayor of that little place was a friend of the family. His his daughter and my mother were best friends, and so he decided he's not going to rat on grandpa, and he sent them off in a different direction. <laughs> Something like you'd see in the movies, he said, uh, last time I saw him, he was over in that town. And so as soon as they left and were out of sight, he hunted my grandpa down and said, you've got to get out of here. They're, they're looking for you. And so he had to stay in a, in a forest uh, with wild pigs and, and, and wolves out there for a number of days till the coast was clear. I mean, he took that kind of a stand uh, against Hitler that the Nazi school teacher in town, we believe, is, is the one who, who did him in. Um, yet... Despite all that, when the Allies bombed the Swabian villages in the area south of, of Stuttgart, where my mother and her family lived, uh, their house was partly destroyed. In fact, the roof was blown off by an Allied bomb. Hmm. So it affected them directly. And, yeah. and I think if Christians understood that more, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just pointing the finger and saying, well, that's those others that are committing all these sins, you know, uh, well, when a nation goes downhill like that, and that sin becomes more and more rampant and unchecked, uh, when the nation finally goes down, it af- it affects everybody. So I, I am very concerned um, about the direction of this country because we seem to be in a free fall in, in, in so many ways. And, and there does come a tipping point in the life of a nation when it's reached its full measure of sin uh, before God. And only God knows exactly when that point is reached, uh, but I, I believe we as a nation are getting dangerously close. Gary Kaz is with us today, and uh, he is from the ministry Hope for the World. And uh, we're asking on this matter of globalism, are we beyond the point of return? Uh, Gary, I know that there are so many, including myself, that are appalled 
uh, when we consider the human rights abuses of communist China, uh, we're appalled by the uh, totalitarian state that China is, you know, foisting upon their, their, their people. It's repulsive to us. Yet you indicate that we, that's the United States, are going the way of China. Comment on that, if you would. Yeah, um, unfortunately, and in some respects, uh, most notably politically, we've already become uh, much like China. Um, for example, when it comes to implementing the COVID mandates and censoring those who, who voice a different non-left-wing perspective, the U.S. government and media have been behaving much more like the CCP of China than the leaders of a free, independent nation. I, I believe that's a, a completely fair statement. In fact, even now, uh, people from overseas who have relatives in the United States and want to come for a visit, they can't get in unless they're vaxxed, unless it's changed very recently. But the last time I checked, that was the case. If you're a citizen, a U.S. citizen, you can, you can get in without being vaxxed. So recently we traveled to uh, Budapest, Hungary, and were able to then come back into the United States, but not if you're a, uh, a non-citizen. Uh, I mean, that's, that's drastic, um, and, and, and yet they're doing it. And yet the science increasingly has shown so many people adversely affected uh, from these vaccines. Uh, the next-door neighbor to our daughter, uh, he was about 70 years old, in good health, got the vaccine, and a week later died. Hmm. And that's just one of many cases I, I could cite. And, and I'm sure not every person dying out there, I mean, we know that they're not all dying from the vaccine, but a lot more are than what we're being told. And any other vaccines would have been pulled by now. But yet they have an agenda behind all of this, and, and that's why they keep pushing it. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll go a little further on that here uh, uh, later come, on in the interview, yeah, I, mean, I think there's more coming. Yeah, indeed. Um, and the lockdown measures, I mean, these have been amazing to see what's happened in China as well. Um, Gary, do you believe that the COVID crisis was intentional? I do. Um, unfortunately, um, I think that because of the agenda, uh, the globalist agenda, uh, I think it was created, the COVID crisis was, in order to facilitate a global power grab by Marxists who were already in place. I mean, they, these people have been coming on the scene worldwide, lurking in the background, surrounding certain leaders in countries, and in other cases, the actual leaders are themselves Marxists, uh, operating in the name of democracy. Um, so the, the stage was set, and this... Um, uh, pandemic, if you want to call it that, uh, shut down the whole world for the better part of, of three years and allowed these forces who were now in power to put the hammer down and see how far they could get with all of this. And I believe uh, China's role specifically was to leak this specially engineered virus, and I believe it was specially engineered. I, it, it didn't occur naturally. A lot of things pointing to that. And, and it, it spread quickly throughout the world then with the help of depopulation advocates who also happen to be dedicated globalists. Um, Tell you what, we're going to take a break here. We're going to come back with China and uh, more about this, as well as the social credit score system of China and uh, about this whole matter of going cashless, the matters that are happening unfolding before our very eyes. Stay with us, friends. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Crosstalk. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, author and seminar speaker with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, since in the Garden of Eden people were eating plants and certainly insects died there, can we say that there was no death before sin? Chris, creationists insist on the biblical doctrine that the wages of sin is death and that Adam's rebellion brought death into a once very good creation which had no death. In doing so, we must be careful to use the right terms. Certainly Adam and Eve were commanded to eat fruit in the garden, and this implies plant death. It would also be difficult for Adam to avoid stepping on an ant as he walked around. But is this death? The Bible never uses the term living for plants or insects. It teaches that life is in the blood and speaks of the breath of life. Thus only air-breathing, blood-filled animals lived or died. Chris, there was no true death before sin. Let's go back to Genesis for our perspective on these things. Thanks for joining us for Back to Genesis.
globalism. Are we beyond the point of return? That's the question we're dealing with here today on Crosstalk. Gary Ka is with us today, founder and director of Hope for the World. Uh, Gary, just before we pick up with uh, China and that's uh, that social credit score system, give us a word about Hope for the World and what you do. Yes, we've uh, been out there for 31 years now, uh, writing and speaking, warning people about globalization, the agenda behind it, and uh, trying to help Christians uh, to be informed and to be discerning about these things, because it, it affects every walk of life, and we're seeing that more and more. And so we publish a quarterly, uh, usually with about 10 articles in it, written by top experts on the subject from around the world, and uh, that is subscription-based. That's how uh, we support ourselves so that we can keep doing what we're doing. So if people would like to subscribe to our publication, they can go to our website, which is GaryKaw.org. And my name is spelled G-A-R-Y-K-A-H, GaryKaw.org. And uh, while there, you can also uh, check out a couple of books that I've written on the subject and some other articles that we've we've posted, and please do what you can to help get this information out as quickly as possible. Again, folks, that's GaryKa.org. Ka is spelled K-A-H. And uh, uh, you'll find a lot of uh, resources, articles, and materials there. And again, uh, to subscribe to the quarterly newsletter, you can do that as well, GaryKa.org. Uh, Gary, as we're going into into that, finishing that last segment and, and uh, going into the break, um, we're talking about China and and uh, this whole matter of COVID, the lockdowns that have been taking place, this this really the control over the people. And there is something that is China has been putting into place called the social credit score system. Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, under Jinping's leadership, um, China has clearly weaponized the pandemic uh, to further consolidate their social credit score system. And that's made possible just because of China's already functioning uh, surveillance network. It's virtually airtight. Uh, their, their social credit score system monitors the behavior and movements of every Chinese citizen, rewarding or punishing them based on their compliance with uh, the Chinese Communist Party's imposed regulations and mandates. So the, the system's enforcement uh, is, is further made possible by the fact that every person's financial transactions are now known to the CCP, hmm. because China is virtually cashless. Nearly all purchases by China citizens citizens over the last few years have been made by via plastic, and now the digital yuan currency has become accepted, being used in several provinces in conjunction with the digital ID. And they're adding provinces regularly now. So this is sweeping the country. They're the furthest along of anyone. Uh, so it's a bit more than a trial run. They've actually been implementing this. And I, I personally believe that this is where the Biden administration wants to take the U.S. What makes you think that? Well, in late September, the Federal Reserve announced a major pilot exercise for an ESG social credit score system, ESG standing for Environmental, Social, and Governance. Uh, people will be hearing more about that in the days ahead. ESG, remember that. It's a, they want to build a type of American social credit score system up on the ESG. Um, the Fed stated, and I quote, six of the nation's largest banks will participate in a pilot climate scenario analysis exercise designed to enhance the ability of supervisors and firms to measure and manage climate-related financial risks, end quote. So this experimental ESG program is being dubbed climate finance hmm. here in the U.S., and it's moving us in the same direction as the CCP's uh, social credit score system in the name of, of saving the environment, of course. Um, an excellent financial journalist by the name of, of Jordan Schachtel uh, published a, a, a bit on that, just two paragraphs. I'd like to quote him here because it's really a good summary. He said, the climate narrative is the chief rhetorical facilitator for the ESG movement. ESG acts as a Trojan horse for the continuing centralization of the American financial system. ESG finance, popularized by hyper-political asset management behemoths like BlackRock and Vanguard, 
acts to prevent outsiders from challenging the regime-connected insiders on Wall Street and in Washington under the guise of acting to manifest a healthier planet. In other words, pro-ESG institutions are committed to attacking free market principles by means of deception, preferring the CCP-style stakeholder capitalism that allows for a small group of technocratic elites to make broad determinations about society. Then he goes on, he says, the ESG green, green transition, frequently popularized by powerful world governments and the World Economic Forum elite, has served as the main vehicle for this movement, akin to the Chinese social credit score, which is used to coerce businesses and, by extension, individuals into specific actions. ESG rules force individuals and businesses in America to deploy capital through the gatekeepers of the system. Hmm. End wow. quote. So it's a, again, it's a power grab. They're taking things a step further. And they're going to try to use uh, financial investment companies uh, to reward those who are with them and oppose those who aren't. What, what, and, are, what are some of these banks that are involved with this? Yeah, um, the, the banks involved in this uh, so-called pilot program of the Fed uh, include Bank of America, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo. And uh, as of uh, a month or so ago, when I became familiar with this being underway, uh, they said the program was set to launch in early 2023, and that's where we are right now. So this is, is going to be rolled out any time now. I I'm curious to see what kind of media coverage, if any, there is, or if it's simply going to be a trial run. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll find out here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I, I guess so. And, and most people will look at their credit cards and say, you know, I see that one of those groups you just named on my credit card. Yeah, and, and I've personally been encouraging people to consider um, getting out of some of the larger uh, national banks, because this is a question we've been getting asked a lot. You know, what can we do? Um, and I I would put your money in smaller but stable, locally held banks. And there still are some of those in our states, and I think at the very least it might buy us a little bit of time uh, when they become more forceful in implementing all of this agenda. Yeah, and there are a few states that are actually pulling out from some of these uh, kind of firms, are they not? Well, they, they are, yeah. Several states have rebelled against the ESG agenda, uh, having discovered what's going on. Uh, so the governments of Florida, South Carolina, Missouri, and Louisiana have been leading the way. Uh, several other states just announced last week uh, and uh, have recently decided to move their state's funds out of BlackRock because of that firm's commitment to the ESG agenda. So, you know, I, I congratulate those states for, for doing what they've done and leading the way. Uh, several other states are considering similar actions. Um, and I, again, I would encourage other investors to pull their funds from BlackRock, Vanguard, and any other institutional investment firms that, that have embraced this ESG agenda, because this is part of the bigger globalist agenda, and this is simply how it's manifesting in the U.S. So we need to draw some lines in the sand here. And these people understand money. They don't understand anything else. And, and if enough conservatives got together and put pressure on um, it may have uh, at least some impact and and push things back some. Gary Cobb with us here today on Crosstalk. Uh, Gary, you've also written about the Federal Reserve Bank in New York launching a 12-week pilot program for a central bank digital currency. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, that took place. That announcement uh, occurred on November 15th. And uh, this um, pilot program that they've announced involves central banks, commercial banks, as well as uh, regulated non-banks. And some of the banking giants participating in this particular trial run uh, include BNY Mellon, Citibank, HSBC, MasterCard, PNC Bank, TD Bank, Truist, U.S. Bank, mm -hmm. and Wells Fargo. Those are the names that, that we have. And um, the way they're going to operate this, Jim, is the U.S. dollar in this exercise will be represented as tokens and settled through simulated central bank reserves on a shared distributed ledger using technology provided by SETL and digital asset. And those are the names of, of two different companies involved in this. Also, SWIFT, 
the global payments provider that I'm sure everybody's familiar with, mm-hmm. is also participating in this program, uh, as is the New York Innovation Center, which is actually part of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. So this is well thought out. Uh, in my opinion, this is more than an exercise. You know, they're they're doing this run to work out any any bugs maybe, um, and then they'll be ready to to launch this at the earliest convenience when everything is just right from their standpoint. Are there are um, there other nations jumping on board with this? Yeah, um, France, uh, Switzerland, and Singapore have already conducted a joint trial. Uh, for their digital currencies. And this is one of the first of, of its kind where uh, it, it's more than just one nation involved, where they were actually doing uh, cross-border uh, trial runs with their banking system with the digital currencies. So they're, they're pretty far along, and um, it's just a matter of time till they go completely uh, digital. But China has made the most notable advances in, in this area, as I mentioned. Um, according to Investopedia, China has tested its digital yuan in several provinces, and the currency is even available to users now on the popular app WeChat. It recently added four provinces to its list of regions for the CBDC trial. So it is being implemented in in China. Um, And and as with its uh, social credit score system, China is leading the way in the implementation of of, uh, CBDC uh, currencies. Now, we have seen what COVID has done uh, to, for the whole aspect of control to be launched by these governments taking control. That Even the this uh, social credit scores in, in China, that if people were protesting, they just changed their, their red, green light to red, and, you know, all of a sudden they had to be confined. Um, we know that there are further things that are going on. We've been monitoring the World Health Organization and this international pandemic treaty uh, that is really going to be a, a mechanism that will be used by countries to have greater control over the people. What is the Biden administration's posi- p- position on the World Health Organization's international pandemic treaty? Well, they're all in. They're all in, along with over 100 uh, other countries that have already at least voiced their support uh, of this international pandemic treaty. And in, this is just my opinion now, and I want to make that clear. But I believe that the Fed's introduction of the digital dollar will probably be timed to precede or closely coincide with Biden's signing of the World Health Organization's International Pandemic Treaty. I think all these things are moving in tandem with each other. The ESG, the digital currency, and and, uh, the WHO's International Pandemic Treaty, uh, they'll play off of each other. And the, the treaty is being written in such a way, and it's close to being finished, but they're still tweaking it, last I, I knew. Uh, it's being written in such a way that it will usurp our national sovereignty and that of other nations, if signed. Uh, so I do hope that Biden feels enough pressure from Congress that he won't go through with it, uh, but I believe he is predispositioned to endorse it. And a lot of his cronies overseas and in Europe and Canada you know, they've already announced they're going to do it. So for Biden to hold out, uh, we'd be one of the few major nations in the world that wouldn't immediately go along with it. So I, I kind of expect him to, uh, to sign it. Uh, they're going to try to get all this uh, ratified, the World Health Organization is, during 2023. Uh, expecting a full implementation of it sometime in 2024. we got to take a quick break here. Back in a minute, this is Crosstalk. When it comes to eternity... Most people assume they will go to heaven thinking their good deeds will outweigh their bad and God will allow them entrance. At most funerals, people will console one another saying they are in a better place. But how do you know that? How do you know if you will be in a better place? In the book, Are You Going to a Better Place? Author Richard Schmidt presents how you can know for sure that your sins are forgiven and you are on your way to heaven. See, after you die, there will be no negotiation with God. The scriptures provide the one way today that God's justice can be satisfied, guaranteeing that you will be in an eternal dwelling place with Him. One copy of this book is available for a donation of $10, three for $24, or five copies for a donation of $30. Call VCY America at 1-800-729-9829. 
You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America, and uh, Gary Ka with us today. His website, GaryKa.org. K-A-H is the spelling for his last name. And we're talking about this matter of globalism. Are we beyond the point of return? And uh, Gary is unfolding for us uh, things that are happening in this world around us. And friends, I hope you understand that these are not isolated things, this popping up in this country and that happening in that country, and and COVID is here, and Central Bank is, you know, these are all interconnected. And I think this is a very important point, that these are not isolated things that are are transpiring, but everything is interconnected. And Gary, as we were talking about, uh, even this World Health Organization International Pandemic Treaty, where the the fine points are being worked out, and we know that uh, in the earlier drafts, the Biden administration was all in for surrendering our sovereignty to the World Health Organization, whatever they deemed, uh, you know, would be, become the law of the land here in the United States. But but you were talking about some of the implementation of this is, is planned now for this year of 2023 and 2024? Yeah, 2023 is the year that they want to get this signed and ratified in order to implement it in 2024. And there are a number of signs pointing to that. One of those uh, came through a new friend of mine who contacted me uh, after hearing me on a talk show. He asked for the talk show host permission to, to, to call me, and we had a lengthy conversation. And he's been involved at a high level in the environmental movement uh, before realizing that it was also part of the One World Agenda, so he kind of played along with it. And one of the gentlemen who he had lunch with, who belongs to the World Economic Forum, he just kind of cleverly uh, asked him a question. He said, you know, the way the the Great Reset is moving along, do you think we can have this thing implemented by the end of the year, Uh, meaning last year? And without skipping a beat, uh, this World Economic Forum member uh, shot back. He said, 2024, 2024, uh, very emphatically, Mm -hmm. as if he, you know, understands that there there's a that's a target date for them of some type and and so i think they're they're getting everything prepared for that but having said all of this um i want to be careful i i have never ever set dates and the reason why i don't is because of the god factor mm-hmm. um you know the lord has has pushed things back held things up many times before and and so we cannot discount the fact that God could still intervene and push this back. But it's still helpful to know what our adversaries are planning, uh, because it gives us an idea of, of where they're wanting to take things and, and makes it less likely that we will be deceived. So I mentioned 2024 as a, a date that we believe they are targeting uh, from, like I said, various sources that, that uh, have had input uh, and have shared with me on that. Uh, but whether or not it, it happens that quickly, only time will tell. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, there is something, though, that I, I wanted to get this into my article, but it was too late. It was already going to print. And so I want to uh, bring this up real quick, Jim. Um, do you remember Event 201 yes. held back in October of 2019? Yes, yeah. Yeah, it was a tabletop exercise, kind of a dress rehearsal for a global COVID pandemic, and then like two months later, it unfolded virtually exactly like that tabletop exercise. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Another one of these was held this past October. Uh, it was held in Brussels, Belgium on October 23rd. And the name of this uh, tabletop exercise was Catastrophic Contagion. That's actually what they called it, Catastrophic Contagion. Uh, the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security in partnership with the World Health Organization and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation conducted this tabletop exercise in Brussels, Belgium. Uh, the group of participants consisted of 10 current and former health ministers, uh, several of them from African nations, uh, also uh, Singapore, India, Germany were represented, as well as, of course, Bill Gates, uh, the co-chairman of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And he's been all over this from the beginning, heavily involved in all of this. So the exercise simulated a series of WHO emergency health advisory board meetings addressing a fictional pandemic set in the near future. Participants grappled with how to respond to an epidemic located in one part of the world that then spread rapidly, becoming a pandemic with a higher fatality rate than COVID-19 and disproportionately affecting children and young people. That's from this uh, article on, on that meeting. 
And so when I say we're not done with all this, uh, it's because of developments like this that we're aware of. Uh, it's just a matter of time till the powers that be spring another uh, so-called pandemic on us. And their goal is the next time around uh, when uh, the next bioweapon is released, uh, anyone who refuses to take the jab, they'll have their digital wallet frozen if we're in a digital currency system by then. So if you, if you want to purchase food, you know, it may be difficult unless you've taken the latest vaccine. I, I really believe this is where they want to take things over the next 18 to 36 months unless people really wake up and begin to push back in a major way uh, on members of Congress and others uh, 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 begging, really, them uh, to put pressure on the Biden administration. Otherwise, all this is going to unfold very rapidly. You know, Gary, I, I think it was also mo- monkeypox that they had forecast uh, was going to come out in May of 2022, something of that nature. Um, yeah, and, 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 it, and it did. And people quickly found out, you know, it really wasn't lethal and that big of a threat. And, and so it kind of rolled over. They, they learned some things from it, you know, uh, testing people's will and how uh, easily or, 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 or with great difficulty uh, that people respond uh, to whatever the World Health Organization says. In this case, there was quite a bit of pushback on that. So I think the next pandemic, um, I hate to think this way. I know it's very dark uh, to think that there are human beings plotting and scheming this type of thing, but I think it's going to be much more deadly than the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, and, and they're going to give people every incentive imaginable to go out and get vaxxed. So it'll be interesting to see how people respond when that time comes. Do they learn their lesson from the COVID-19 vaccine and all the fallout from that, or are they going to make the same mistake again and just rush out there and, and you know, and get vaxxed? We'll see. Uh, Gary, as you are aware, the World Health Organization really applauded China uh, through this pandemic and and applauded them for their response and, and all the things that China did. One thing that many people may not be aware of is that we, that is the United States, we're dependent on China for many of the life-saving medications that we have, including antibiotics. Yeah, over 80% of our antibiotics are produced in China. It's actually closer to 90% the last I heard. That's astounding. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, and this is a national security uh, matter. Our our presidents, the last several presidents, should have never allowed it to go this far. They should have intervened uh, 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 because of national security concerns on this. Um, we import also so many of our strategic goods from lithium batteries to solar panels to every sort of high-tech energy component from China that we're essentially held hostage. Mm-hmm. I mean, from an economic standpoint, we are boxed in. Um, China... Uh, working closely with its globalist partners in the West, dominates and in some areas really completely controls the supply chain. And so they have us over a barrel. It gives them an an enormous amount of leverage over the United States. So, I mean, think about this. Uh, Years ago, if we would have said that an authoritarian Marxist superpower would have this kind of leverage over the United States, you know, people would have rolled their eyes. They'd Mm -hmm. say, never, it's not going to happen. But it has. And not only that, China is uh, collaborating very closely, as you mentioned, with the World Health Organization. And Tedros Ghebreyesus, the director of the WHO, is actually a very close ally and friend of Xi Jinping. And um, to go even a step further, before Ghebreyesus took on the leadership position within the World Health Organization, he was a socialist revolutionary leader in Ethiopia. And this is how he was rewarded for his actions there. He was made the director of the World Health Organization. So we've got a real winner on our hands here. Wow. I mean, this guy should never be. But that's the, that's the case with many of the leadership positions of, of uh, U.N. figures. Uh, they're notorious uh, socialists uh, and have been for, for many years. So they have a track record. And, and so because the U.N. is saturated with internationalists and, and, and socialists, they bring these kind of people on board to actually run the organization because this is what the U.N. ultimately is all about. And a lot of people have missed that from the beginning, thinking the U.N.'s a good organization. And, and they have done a few good things, but I think they've done those to provide a cover for what they really want to do, uh, which is to bring about a global government, uh, a socialist, uh, Marxist-based global government. 
And so performing a lot of uh, good acts through organizations like UNICEF and other things out there, you know, that have done some, some good work overseas, it provides a type of outward um, uh, positive image for the UN to keep moving forward with what they really want to uh, do. And, and uh, people have taken the bait for the most part. China has been a, such a leader in these, in my opinion, very clandestine uh, operations. Uh, China also very anti-God, um, and that we see the persecution that's happened to believers there. Some may wonder why doesn't God just pour out His judgment on China and and at, you know at times like this. Yeah, and and I think that that day will come, um, but I believe when you look at, at at how God has operated in the past. Um, with his people Israel, for example, you could ask, why didn't God judge the Assyrians and the Babylonians first? But he didn't. Uh, it was his own people, because they knew better and, and went in the wrong direction despite all the warnings that God sent through his prophets. Uh, they became uh, enmeshed in the same beliefs and, and practices as the nations around them, and you could argue became even worse in some regards. And so finally God said enough, and he allowed those very nations to then overtake them and carry them into, into captivity. It happened with the northern kingdom and then with the southern kingdom. And um, I think America is in a similar situation right now. Uh, we were founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Although not perfect, our origins were firmly grounded in Judeo-Christian principles. We know better or should have known better and and look at the the shape we're in right now from a morality standpoint uh... you could argue we're worse than russia i mean uh, i don't know what the percentage is right now but a few years back eighty percent of the pornography in the world the major pornography was coming out of the united states uh... the preponderance of sex trafficking and 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 sex with children all that kind of stuff uh... the u.s. is is full of it and um, Christians have become so much like the world in so many different ways. And God has warned, he's warned, he's been patient, but how much longer is he going to wait? Yeah. So all that to say, <clears throat> I personally believe that God will probably judge the United States before he judges our adversaries. He may actually use our adversaries to overtake the United States unless there is a repentance, a comprehensive repentance. Uh, very quickly. And I know that that's a very negative thing uh, to think about, but I, I really believe that with all my heart. Uh, God, obviously, is God. He can do what he wants. He can intervene at any point in time, but I don't believe he's going to do so if if he doesn't see widespread repentance in our country. Yeah. Friends, as we've talked about before, as it was in the days of Noah, and uh, all you have to do is look at today's news and, and see the mirror of those days. Gary Ka is with us today. I'm going to open our phone lines here for our final segment, our number 800-733-9829. We have time for a question or brief comment, uh, 800-733-9829. Gary Ka is our guest, and his website, GaryKa.org. And again, that uh, Gary is spelled G-A. A-R-Y, Ka is K-A-H dot org, GaryKa dot org. Back in one minute, you're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY America Network. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. 2023, folks, is going to be a great, horrible year. I know. Sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? Reality is, it'll be great for those of us that have a biblical worldview. This could be one of the finest hours for Christians, for the true church, ecclesia, called out ones. Why? Because this is a spiritual battle in a material world. And those of us that understand the times in light of the Bible and Bible prophecy, well, we can take what's common to the culture and turn it into a pulpit. Look how many people are willing to listen to us now when we talk about globalism. We talk about so many of the issues like Marxism and Islam. Many people today are willing to listen that once discounted us. The Bible is coming true. The stage is being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Again, let's take what's common to the culture and turn it into a pulpit. As horrible things happen, the good news, we can proclaim the truth of the Bible. I'm Brandon House. 
Are we beyond the point of return? That's a column written by Gary Ka. You can read more about it on his website as well, GaryKa.org. He has a newsletter that he puts out as well, information on subscribing to it, available on his website. Right now, we're going to your phone calls here at Crosstalk. The lines are packed out. We're going to begin with uh, Joe in Laval, Wisconsin. Joe, you're on the air. Well, Happy New Year, Mr. Schneider and Mr. Ka. Mr. Ka pointed out that the Chinese are using corporate stakeholder capitalism to take over U.S. assets. And he also pointed out that there's a lot of surveillance undertaken by the Chinese. So my question for Mr. Ka is, do you think the Chinese would post a lot of uh, job openings in the United States for people to, like, spy on each other, like make videos on their smartphones and stuff? Or do you feel that would be something that's more of an underground recruitment and not really posted in the open? Yeah, I don't think they're going to be that open about it because everything they've done so far has been pretty underhanded. I know in the, in the food industry, for example, they've quietly taken over a good part of our meat production in the country and own some of the largest meat processing plants. And the way they've done that is through front organizations that they create, uh, sometimes two layers, three layers deep, and ultimately the Chinese are running it and people don't know about it. Uh, now with with TikTok, you know, there's there's pushback on on that. That's been exposed. Um, so they're they're going to operate as cleverly as they can, yeah. I believe. Buying farmland near military bases. I mean, there's there's a there's a method to that madness, Gary. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you for the call, Joe. Christine and Racine, you're on the air. Hi, Gary. Um, been listening to your prescient pronouncements for about 25 years now. And uh, I know you're not a prophet, you're the son of a prophet, but you've been on target every time all these years. And I just want to say that uh, we are not going to be under judgment, sir. Um, Not that I'm trying to correct you. We are under God's judgment. John MacArthur has numerous good sermons on this, the sexual revolution, homosexual revolution. And uh, I believe we are past the tipping point, but I will keep fighting and giving the gospel and and calling my representative the congressman, sir. But... uh, other than that, I don't know what else we really can do. Yeah, I, I know, Christine. I, I agree with you. We have to do what we can to be uh, light in, in in this world, as God has called us to be salt and light right down to the end. And so we, we can't stop taking a stand. But I, I, too, agree we're already under a form of judgment. I mean, it over the last few years, just with everything that's happening in our country and all the commotion, uh, it, it, it seems as if it's begun. And it's going to, an all-out repentance could reverse that, but it would have to be one like what happened in Nineveh from the top down. Thank you, Christine, for the call. We've got Merle next in Tennessee. You're on the air. Yeah, Jim, I wanted to ask Gary if he would agree that the COVID was released for the vaccine and not the vaccine for the COVID, and that the vaccine has weakened the immune system now of those that took it across the board, and it was a setup for the next pandemic that's waiting in the wings. Well, I, I can tell you this from uh, personal experience from people who we know. Uh, people's immune systems have been noticeably weakened. Um, e- even regular flu symptoms and this RSV and everything that's coming around now, people are staying sick much longer. Uh, we know people that something that they would have gotten over in three or four days before, now it's taking three or four weeks. And so. Th- that has definitely had a huge impact, and I believe when the next uh, uh, pandemic is released, uh, I think people are going to react much more negatively health-wise to it, especially those who've been vaxxed before. Thank you, Merle, for the call. Maureen is next in East Troy. You're on the air. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to uh, ask Gary a question. I see his name in a book I'm reading. It's called The Killing of Uncle Sam by um, uh, Rodney Howard Brown and Paul Williams. And uh, Gary had supplied some information concerning this stuff that's going on uh, about the names of the, or about uh, who was with the Rothschild Bank and all this sort of thing uh, that started this, uh, this whole thing with the Federal Reserve and so on. Yes, uh, thank you, Maureen. Yeah, a a number of people, especially over the last two years, have contacted us uh, requesting the use of our information and books and materials that they've been uh, putting out there. And some of these people, they had not realized before the history of this, how far back all of this goes. You know, everything we're experiencing today, it hasn't just been thrust upon us uh, without any planning. 
the groundwork, the foundation, the spiritual deception has been been coming for a long, long time. And now these forces are, you know, they're in the in their final push, uh, trying to make all this happen very quickly. And and we'll see how this plays out in the next few years. We're going to squeeze one last call in. Dominique in McQuinnico, Wisconsin, you're on the air. Hello, Mr. Ka. You were talking about Event 201 and the latest one in October, and it's clear the global oligarchs are not done. But they're also currently continuing to kill people in our hospitals with the COVID protocol. Um, today, our family just returned from the Wisconsin Capitol at a rally where we heard from, among others, you know, Scott Sharpa, whose daughter Grace was murdered, which Jim has interviewed before here, and then also John Zingzheim, whom the hospital tried to murder, who is also the person in Attorney Karen Mueller's case before the Wisconsin Supreme Court in two weeks also on Crosstalk. But knowing all this, Mr. Kaw, I was wondering if you had any insight in getting a historical Nuremberg trial going because they will not stop until they're made to stop killing our countrymen in these crimes against yeah. humanity. Yeah, there, there are actually a few members of Congress that want to take things in that direction. But I, I don't have enough confidence, um, even in, in many of the conservatives in the Congress, that they're going to go that route. Uh, it just seems like Fauci and, and, and those who've collaborated with him, it's almost as if they're untouchable. Um, and again, I think so many people are involved in this, or if they're not directly involved in it, they're blackmailable because of something they've done in their lives that can be held over their heads, that, th- that they're not going to go through with it. I think there will be those who try, and, and we'll see where it goes. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not um, holding out a lot of hope in that area. I'll, I'll tell, you, tell you where I do hold out hope and that is that no matter how things ultimately unfold over the next few years, praise God that we have his eternal promises to hold on to. You know, if, if we've placed our trust in Jesus, if we've embraced him as our Lord and Savior, at the very least, our eternity with him has been secured. Uh, so no matter what happens in this country, no matter how difficult things get for Christians, and I think uh, it's going to get difficult here pretty soon, we've got to hold on to our faith and the fact that uh, Jesus died for our sins and we will spend eternity with him. So if it were to come to the point where we literally have to lay down our lives like our Chinese brothers and sisters have, many of them, uh, we, we've got to dwell on the fact that we're here just for a short time. This is not our permanent home. And, um, and praise God for that. Amen. We are out of time. Thank you, Dominique, for the call. Gary Ka, our guest today, his website, garyka.org program today not to frighten it's to wake us up and uh, folks who need to repent and turn to god gary thanks for being with us thank you jim god bless you friends thanks for joining us on crosstalk you've been listening to crosstalk via satellite and the internet from bcy america views expressed may or may not be those of this station for a cd of today's program send a donation of six dollars or more to vcy tape ministry 3434 west kilbourne avenue milwaukee wisconsin 53208 or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk.